content warning. The following episode will be addressing linguistic ableism. You will be hearing ableist terminology at various points throughout the episode to showcase the harms of discriminatory language. Please proceed accordingly. This is Katrin with Disability Rights New York. Welcome to our podcast, Empire State of Rights, closed captioned. We are here to bring you information on the most relevant topics regarding disability rights and advocacy. Recently in the news, popular artist Lizzo released a single titled Girls with some controversy attached to it. And soon after its release, fans and disability advocates were shocked to find an ableist slur in the song. The lyrics read as follows. I'm a spaz. I'm about to knock somebody out. After learning about the slur and being educated on its negative connotations, both Lizzo immediately issued an apology to address the harmful term and re-recorded the song to replace the lyrics with Hold Me Back. And what's interesting is just a couple of weeks later, Beyonce then also released a song called Heated from her Renaissance album. And both Lizzo and Beyonce's accountability serve as an example of how activism can lead to constructive change in education regarding harmful language. What's interesting is that it was the exact same word in both songs. And so today we're going to talk about uh, ableism and language. And we're welcoming DRNY's CAP and PABS program director, Erica Molina. And she is joined by PAD senior advocate, Nancy Nowak. We are going to discuss the linguistic ableism, the harms of hemogenic ableist structures, and the importance of education and appropriate criticism to enact social and cultural change. Erica, Nancy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. And so the introduction was definitely, uh, we wanted to be very clear on what the words were and what we were talking about today. And I'm going to break it down conversationally a little bit. We had two songs that came out in the last almost eight weeks now, and both of them included an ableist slur. And so when we talk about ableism and we talk about uh, language and how words mean something, there's a lot of people that still don't know what ableism is or what ableist means. So Erica, will you start by letting our audience know what is ableism and what is ableist and how does it really move into all of the words that we use every day? Sure. Thank you, Katrin. Um, it is uh, exactly right what you said. I think um, ableist language is really baked in to our um, everyday vocabulary, unfortunately, and in particular for a formal uh, definition of ableism. I think it is a good place to start to cite uh, disability advocate Talila A. Lewis's working definition of ableism, which is uh, that ableism is a system that places value on people's bodies and minds based solely on societally constructed ideas of normalcy, intelligence, and excellence, end quote. Uh, basically meaning that folks are really judged by from a lens of 
who can do what. And whenever someone's um, body or their mind or some combination of the two doesn't let them do a particular thing that most other people can do, such as seeing with your eyes, hearing with your ears, walking with your legs, um, or processing fully with your brain certain uh, types of conversation, when those things aren't part of a person's abilities, they are judged for it. And there is language in the culture that really does reflect that ableist point of view. And Erica, as we've talked about this outside of the podcast, and even in preparation for this podcast today, you had said, you know, uh, that this is a process of using di uh, diagnosis as descriptors or as adjectives. And that for me really hit the nail on the head. That was very much um, that landed on me in a way that made so much sense. And I thought it would make sense for the audience to hear that in the way that we how we describe whether it's an event, a person, or uh, a series of circumstances, when using adjectives that are diagnosis-based, that is an ableist uh, and also a form of ableism. Would you agree that that's correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And Nancy, do you have anything to add to the, to the definition itself or to how language is uh, is impacted by an ableist or uh, an ableist um, uh, community. I think, you know, ableism is really, um, it, it leads to society making a basis on, on who's worthy based on their appearance or their abilities, um, which is just totally ludicrous and unfair. Um, and it's, it's something that we need to all be aware of so we can, we can be the change. And so I, I'm not sure if either of you had heard either of the songs. Um, I definitely listened to Lizzo and Beyonce both. And uh, hearing the songs and whether it's a, a song, the music is great or the rhythm is great. The words sometimes we don't learn them until we've heard the song over and over again. When we when I heard this song originally, after the article, um, hearing spav definitely something that uh, made me bristle. Talk to me about your initial reactions, and let's talk a little bit about the history of the word itself and the negative meanings it contains regarding the disability community. And Erica, if you want to start. Sure, Catherine. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I... The first I heard about this particular issue with the uh, with the two different songs over the last several weeks was via an article. Um, I uh, I don't follow Lizzo's music that closely, but I do follow her uh, more as a uh, more as a, an icon uh, to uh, to larger Black women who you know, who play flutes, which is one of her great talents. Um, I think she's a, a, a very independent and a very cool person. So I follow her in that way. Uh, and I'll say that when I learned through an article, though, uh, that this issue had come up, that um, that spaz or the word spaz rather was uh, in her song uh, stated a few times, 
I didn't fully understand personally the definition of spaz or at least where it came from. So I definitely know that even as a disabled person, which I am a person with a disability, um, there, there's always something to learn. And uh, it certainly was a new word to me. Uh, so what uh, we do know um, is that spaz is short for um, something like the word spastic. Uh, folks with cerebral palsy, for example, um, there are different types of cerebral palsy or CP for short. Um, and something that can describe certain muscle movements um, that people have um, in lack of range of motion and, and the movements that they can or can't make, um, sometimes because of the disability, sometimes are uh, categorized as being spastic, um, that there are involuntary movements, muscle tightness. Um, so it very much is a, um, uh, a spa uh, spastic is it is meant to describe the type of in this case anyway uh, CP that a person might have or inform another diagnosis another characteristic of a of a separate medical diagnosis. Um, so folks who deal with um, spastic paralysis have those types of. Um, uh, characteristics to their muscles that do make it difficult to move or difficult to control their own limbs and their own muscles in different ways. But the word itself as spaz, I learned, uh, is actually um, become commonplace. It is something that uh, is used, and I think Lizzo meant this initially in her song by putting it in there, that um, as a spaz, you are a quote-unquote klutz or um, you're uncool or um, not um, uh, not even keeled uh, in a certain way. Um, basically, something is going wrong or malfunctioning um, with you. And for that reason, you're spazzing out or you are a spaz. Um, and uh, also, I think in uh, British slang terms, um, uh, spaz can also be used to describe an incompetent person, but again, it is ableist. Um, right. And Erica, let me just add that it is yeah. not being kind. It is not a kind word. You are not being called a spaz if someone is, it is not a compliment. It is not. It is not. It's purely derogatory, pejorative. Um, it is meant as an insult, either self-deprecating or deprecating to someone else when, when the word is used. Yeah. And Nancy, do you have anything that you'd like to add to that? You know, we have to stop and think about the person who does have spastic paralysis, you know, and, and how they feel when they hear words like this used in a negative connotation. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's just blatantly you know, um, a wrong way of using the word. Um, and it's it's a shame, like Erica said, that it's become so commonplace that even these high profile singers and, and um, you know, folks think that they can use it so readily. Um, and there are so many more, so many more words. Well, and that leads us really into the next question and or topic of discussion, really. Spaz really is one of the many, many words that uh, are commonly, commonly used. And it's not just in conversation, it's in print media, it's in movies, it's in television. 
And as we share some of these other harmful ableist terms, and if you are just tuning in at this point in the podcast, please be aware that as we are saying these words and talking about them, we are talking about them from the perspective of ableist language and the harm that they create. So um, so please, just again, I want to let everyone in the audience know that is why we are talking about these words. And um, and I will say even as uh, as I think about in my own past or history of whether it's writing or speaking, saying things like turning a blind eye or, um, you know, some that was deaf, that was deaf tone or falling on deaf ears. So those are some examples that that I know of very readily. Nancy, do you want to talk a little bit about some that are um, easily for you to to talk about right now? Yeah, um, the one that always comes to mind for me is, and people really think it's appropriate to use, is wheelchair bound or confined to a wheelchair. Um, you know, we would never say somebody's confined to their legs, um, you know, so it, it's just, um, it's not a, a kind way to to say it. Um, and I think that, you know, today us talking about these things helps open people's eyes to, you know, some of the terminology that people think is okay. Um, there are so many. There's um, uh, people saying, and a lot of people don't realize, um, but people will say somebody who has albinism, they'll call them an albino. Um, I personally um, have very many friends that have albinism, and it's, it's extremely offensive to hear that. Um, but that's one that I often hear that people don't know. Um, so I'm glad that we're having this conversation for sure. There's certainly, uh, like you said, Katrin, so, so, so many more uh, that we could um, talk about where they came from or what they were supposed to mean and, and what they mean now. But uh, popular ones that I can think of include the word lame. Um, to describe somebody who um, is boring or uncool, right? Uh, we hear uh, kids use it all the time and, and, and adults as well. Um, and for, uh, for those who, who don't know how pervasive it is, uh, there is actually a scene in uh, the Disney movie, The Incredibles, uh, where the, uh, the bad guy, whose name escapes me, um, he goes on a rant and he's angry because he's the bad guy. Uh, but one of the things that he goes on about, um, you can find a clip of it almost anywhere, uh, even just to get the audio, which is he yells, lame, 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 lame. Mm -hmm. And he goes on this rant and he's angry. And why is he using the word lame instead of this is terrible or this doesn't make any sense? Um, what he's doing is uh, what Disney did and, and, and what the character was allowed to do was to really use a word that's supposed to mean some uh, someone or some sort of being um, that is just not able to do something physically, uh, who's lost their ability to do something physically. I, I can think of in my mind, for example, of a, of a lame horse for example, that is something that used to be very commonly said or described as any animal being lame, you can't use them anymore on the farm, things like that. Um, and for whatever reason, it's distilled down to this very okay and very um, 
established way of saying that somebody is just uncool or unable uh, to do something. And that in itself is, is, is outrageous and it just shouldn't be. And really, Edith, the challenge for all of us is being present in the language that we're using, as well as being open and available to education on why these words should not be used in the way that they that they are culturally and socially. And of course, when it comes to movies like The Incredibles, which of course I saw probably 1,000 times because when your children are watching movies, you watch them over and over and over again. And so language becomes ingrained in part of the what they are used to hearing, what they see, what um, is, you know, of course, in these movies that they love. And um, it, it truly does have an impact. And so as we talk about uh, language and, of course, how we are trying to make the change, Nancy, as you said, there are a lot of things that we need to be able to do. First of all, being able to have open conversations about saying, yeah, you know, I've used that word and I didn't know what it meant at the time, or you know, now that I know better, I'll do better. And so um, as we think about moving forward, and of course, cancel culture comes up, comes to mind, of course, also where, you know, the politically correct um, idea, right? Because this is not about being politically correct. This is actually a be about using words in the way that they're meant to, as opposed to going back to what Erica said, using adjectives and descriptions that are actual diagnosis. So if you could give any advice or experience on how someone should address others when someone is using offensive or ableist language, Let's talk a little bit about that. And Erica, you and I have had a lot of great conversations about, you know, the what would you do or, you know, how would you handle this situation? I think we've all been in, in conversations where someone says something that, you know, your ears kind of tingle or you think, oh, my goodness. Um, and a lot of times maybe you want to correct someone, but maybe sometimes we don't. Let's talk a little bit about that. Erica, what are your thoughts? That's right, Catherine. I think that it is important to, to differentiate uh, that the goal of, of our having a healthy discussion today, for example, the goal is not to support canceling people. We don't want to cancel Lizzo. We don't, um, no one wants to cancel Beyonce uh, or anyone else for that matter. I think I, that, that certainly is not the goal. It means something for, an artist uh, of those um, of that um, uh, of that uh, caliber of that uh, level of popularity, whether Lizzo, Beyonce, or others in in the music or other entertainment fields, it means something for them to bring into the conversation. I have learned something. This is what this word means. Thank you for calling me out on it, and I've addressed it. And here is how I'm going to or or have already addressed it. Um, that can happen just between um, you and me and um, in everyday uh, conversations as well. I think it's important to, when, if, if you do come across someone in a conversation that is starting to use um, the type of language that perhaps you're not comfortable with or that you know uh, perhaps doesn't personally affect you, but would certainly affect others, it is 
I think, first of all, very important that you don't uh, encourage that language. Um, if it's said as a joke, don't laugh. Um, if it is uh, said in a way that kind of um, is meant to um, make uh, one group exclusive and then, you know, to, to, to the detriment of someone else, you know, question, wait, why? I don't get it. Um, and if that doesn't come up, one of the things I've uh, always been um, a huge, huge proponent of is just making sure that you're not seeking to necessarily put the other person in their place, so to speak. You're not seeking to embarrass them. I find that I have the most success with these types of conversations one-on-one. -on -one, so that even if the language does come up in a group setting, uh, maybe that's not the right time to call someone out on it, uh, depending on where you are, whether it's work or at a party um, that is not your party. You know, uh, you, you might have to read the room a little bit to really understand whether or not this is a good time for a quote unquote teaching moment. Um, but I would encourage that even if that fails, um, you trying to do something in the moment, consider doing it afterward you give somebody a call or um, chat them up on Zoom and say, hey, do you have a second? I wanna to talk to you about um, that presentation that you did yesterday. Uh, I thought it was great and I just have a little bit of feedback for you. That's usually how I frame it if it is at the workplace. Um, frame it as some feedback and let me know when you're open to receiving some feedback, especially if it was during a presentation or an important conversation um, at work. So that's just a suggestion as to how to handle it, I think, in a couple different types of situations. And Nancy, what are your thoughts? I, um, I definitely agree a lot with Erica and do think that you need to be careful about how you address it and that you're not coming at the person, but you're there to assist them so that you educate them on, on the right uh, terminology to use and what is not okay. Um, but I do tend to definitely bring it up with my friends and my family if, if these words are used. Um, and I've taught my son, you know, to make sure that he talks about it too with his friends. And it's always um, a nice thing when you're sitting next door to, to their room and you hear them on PlayStation talking to their friends and the R word comes up, you know, and somebody says, you know, retarded. And he's always the first person to say, hey, guys, you know, that's not cool with me. I'm, I we, we don't go there. Um, it's not the word that we can we want to use. And they've asked, you know, well, what, what's that all about? And that's the thing. We've got to talk about it with everyone, you know, and not sideline those conversations so that our children, our friends, our elders that sometimes use these words more readily um, understand that they are really um, offensive. And uh, that that's the way that we're going to um, to start to uh, get folks involved with the change. Well, Nancy, you bring up two really good points. And, you know, one of them, of course, uh, you know, using the R word and in between the, the release of both of these songs, New York State actually made uh, a change to the language of New York State law, which was, uh, you know, here we are in 2022. And it is now the year that the word retardation is coming out of New York State law. So, you know, it, that is 
still a word that is very present in a lot of um, people's language, and and they it is not necessarily known um, why they're using it or. Um, where it even came from. And generationally, I do think, you know, we talk about people in our lives or in our families who are older. Generationally, there was definitely different words and terms used. And often I'll hear, well, you can't say that anymore. And um, the reality is, you really never should have been saying that. And that's, that is also, you know, a a conversation that, um, that is more difficult with older generations. And I would be remiss if I didn't um, bring up something that we only just talked about minutes before we started today. Um, And that is the issue of race when it comes to Lizzo and Beyonce, right? So here we have two incredibly powerful, uh, strong black women who have done so much for not only their own communities, but I think of the empowerment of uh, women and young girls everywhere, and um, and people to truly own their identity. So, Erica, can we talk a little bit about that and how, when it comes to language, first of all, culturally, we have uh, so many different subsets of people in this country and around the world. Different language, different words are used in in different communities. However. We're now talking about two women who are also black and they are also being criticized for their for language specifically in music. Um, let's talk a little bit about that and how race plays a role in how the disability community and socially uh, in general, the reaction was to the words and the lyrics. I think it is uh, an interesting uh, part of the conversation and and something that, like you said, we talked about literally just before uh, starting the conversation today. It's important to, especially in a society like ours um, in 2022, when things happen so quickly, cancel culture happens at the speed of the internet and um, songs can be changed just as quickly, uh, apparently. And to to their credit, I do want to say that Lizzo right away made her change, right? I think it's interesting that um, Beyonce just six weeks later also released an album with the same term in it um, and then had to backtrack and do that same fix again. Um, there, there is a, um, um, a, a pattern in our society to very quickly point out folks who are not in the typical mainstream, uh, when folks don't fit in or when they don't look or sound like others. And, and this goes beyond, obviously, people with disabilities. And, and right now I'm talking about race in particular and women in particular, right? Black women. So I think society is very quick to point out that uh, yet another um, female, uh, female artist who happens to be Black and very, very culturally popular. Oh, she made a mistake. And we're very quick to, to point that out. 
Uh, and then it happened again. A very uh, popular uh, uh, female artist um, who is Black, she made another mistake. We need to point this out as quickly as possible. And even though the mistakes were uh, something to be addressed, and they eventually were, it is important that people also realize that there is a pattern, even just among these two, but if, if we had another three hours to talk, which we don't today, we could really analyze that so many of the past history of these lyric changes, these offensive lyrics, uh, ableist language, a lot of them have been pointed out and analyzed, um, but toward uh, the black artist or the non-white artist. And you see a lot less of it come up when it is an artist such as Eminem or Taylor Swift, Eminem, who is um, hugely infamous for blatantly using uh, ableist language, such as the R word, retarded, mm -hmm. and many, many others. Uh, but Taylor Swift uses and has used the lyrics um, in her own songs, which include blame and psycho and it is important that even though these artists um, uh, perhaps have a more, um, uh, even though they are white, even though they are more pop than R&B or than rap or whatever, um, and Eminem, he's just, oh, he's just that way. You know, it's just where he's coming from and who he is. Um, what else can be done about it? I would encourage folks to not um, give out passes so so quickly uh, to certain artists and to really keep in mind who we're holding up against certain standards and making sure that that standard applies across the board. Um, Agreed. And uh, I, we will be talking about language and ableism in uh, a couple of more episodes. And I think We'll probably dive a little deeper into this in another one, uh, because as you said, these are these are not just uh, lyrical changes that should have been made in these two instances, for sure. Um, if we look at the history of music, we can see very clearly um, what other lyrics uh, are certainly um, offensive. So um, I appreciate your thoughts on that. I think it is a very important part of the conversation as we as we talk about it. Um, and before we sign off on this episode, uh, is there anything else that either of you would like to add before we sign off? I just want to thank people for for sitting and, and listening to us because this is how things you know um, begin to to roll out and you know take these conversations and and bring them to your families, bring them to your friends, and don't be afraid to um, communicate when you hear these offensive terms. Um, this is this is where it starts. So thank you. Erica, Nancy, thank you both so much for your time today. All of the resources mentioned in today's episode will be listed in the show notes below. And to our audience, make sure to stay tuned as we will continue our discussion on linguistic ableism as part of an ongoing featured series. We thank you for your continued support. Empire State of Rights Closed Captioned has been brought to you by Disability Rights New York, your source for disability rights and advocacy.
If you enjoyed our program, make sure to subscribe, like, and share this post. If there is a subject you would like us to discuss, please email podcast at drny.org or comment below. Tune in next Wednesday, where we'll bring you more information on disability rights in the state of New York. The closed-captioned and ASL version of this podcast is available on our YouTube channel. To listen to more Empire State of Rights closed-captioned, follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.